Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to John 13, which is on page 763 in the Pew Bibles, if you're in the Pew Bible. John chapter 13, page six or 763. I'm going to read that in just a moment. We have talked before about what it means to be a servant and just how important service is in the body of Christ. And like, for example, I've told you the story before about Albert Schweitzer, who was the famous missionary, had three terminal degrees, three doctorates. And at one point he was uh, in his office in Germany and across his desk came a flyer inviting people to go to the Congo and do medical missions. And Schweitzer said, now I know what I'm going to do the rest of my life. So he went to the Congo and he did that for decades. And at one point he was asked to come back and speak to the Harvard graduating class and He said to the students graduating from Harvard, he said, if there's any among you who want to be happy in life, there's only one way that you're ever going to be truly happy, and that is if you become one another's servants. And it'd be interesting to do a poll today to ask whether or not you think that's true. Is that what makes people happy? Or maybe I should say it this way, is it necessary? Like in order for you to be truly happy in this life, Is it necessary for you to be the servant of someone else? That is, I think, a good question. But I'll also say this. If you think to yourself, well, I'm going to become a servant then because that's what's going to make me happy. The moment you say that, I think you've missed the point. And I don't know if the impact of your service is going to be quite as what it was intended to be if you think, well, if that's what's going to make me happy, then I'll be a servant. It's like Jesus says things like the first will be last and the last will be first. But if you think to yourself, well, I want to be first. So therefore, I'm going to be a servant and be last so that I can be first. Or if Jesus says... If anybody desires to be great among you, let him be servant of all. And you think to yourself, well, I certainly want to be great. And therefore, I'm going to be servant of all because I want to be great. Again, I don't know if in that case you would have gotten the point. That's one of the things that I don't like about television preachers. Preachers get on TV and they start talking about how God wants us all to be successful. And so God wants to bless us and give us lots of money. And if you just come to Jesus, and especially if you make a financial donation to the person who's doing the talking on television, then God is surely going to bless you with all the things that you want. And I just don't know if that's the point. In fact, I would say that something like this is more the case. Sorry, i got to go backwards here, if I can. Backwards one, Sean, for me. Thank you very much. God wants us to be servants first. If we're going to be leaders, he wants us to be leaders second. He doesn't want us to think, I can be a leader. And then become a servant just so that you can be a leader. God wants us to be servants first, leaders second. God wants us to be servants first, happy second. God wants us to be servants first and great only because we are servants. He does not want us to desire greatness in and of itself. And then to become a servant so that others will call us great. And then we start to get, I think, at the point. 
And so perhaps the best way to think of Christian service so that we can avoid the trap of being a servant for the sake of something else is to place this in the same context that we've been placing everything else this fall. Or not this fall, but in the fall and now moving into the new year. Because during the fall and moving into the new year, what is the context for everything that we've been talking about? Discipleship. I saw some people mouthing the word out there. And that's exactly right. Like everything that we've done in the fall and moving into the winter has been in the context of discipleship. And it makes sense to me that when we turn to the subject of servanthood, that we don't talk just about how God wants us to be servants, but that we ask the question, what is the connection between servanthood and discipleship and actually following Jesus? Because Jesus is the one who did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself a servant, and not just any kind of servant. But he became a human being, and then ultimately he died as a human being. Getting nothing, in that sense, out of his service except for death. This is a guy who prayed to have this cup removed from me, he says. Because he didn't want to go through all that service meant. And so there's a big difference between the one who says, well, I want to be great, and therefore I'll become a servant, and Jesus who says, please let this cup pass from me, and then becomes a servant anyway. So we look at John 13. And Wayne, you can come up at this point. And we're going to read, I'm going to read through John 13, verse 1 and following, while Wayne and Charles participate in an act that looks an awful lot like Jesus. And so it was just before the Passover feast. And and listen to these words. It says, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. That's interesting. Because the fact that Jesus knows that it's time for him to leave this world and go to the Father means that he knows he is about to be with his Father again in glory. As in like in John 17, 5 or so when he says, Let me receive from you the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus knows that that's where he's going, the text says. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. 
Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you're clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I've asked Charles and Wayne if they would each uh, just make a few comments about what it is that they've explained or what they've experienced. Because um, although this is a context in which it's kind of manufactured, uh, you know, it's not as though Charles walked in off the street and Wayne's in his house and Wayne chooses to clean Charles' feet when Charles walks in or something. It's not that kind of context. We know that. But there is a real experience here that's going on. And so I just asked them if they would, uh, and maybe in a, in a few sentences, talk about what it means for them to have experienced the washing of feet. First of all, as I prepared mentally to do this earlier today, I recognized very quickly what a beautiful image this is. And I was honored to be part of that image, even though we both knew what was going to happen. Secondly, um, I think it's, it really underscores what being submitting to each other and caring for each other in a very special way whether we actually do this or if we represent this in, in our actions every day. So uh, it's been, I, I've wondered too, uh, since I got here this morning, why we haven't shown this before. Because I think it's a, it is a, a perfect image. I appreciate that, Wayne. Um, the, the fact is, is that even with it having been kind of planned for, that there's, a, as I said, a real experience that takes place. Like you still had to wash Charles' feet. And it, it, there's a sense in which that's not just acting because he did, in fact, wash his feet. He, he could have said no and chose not to. Moving experience. Yeah. Yeah. Charles, how about you? What did you experience? Um... I, I had wanted to actually get up, um, and I'm glad you spoke first because I was trying to compose myself. Uh, this is a very humbling experience. It's not the, the action, but it's the meaning that no matter how high our education, no matter how well we are known in society, in the house of the Lord, we must be servants. 
those things does not matter in the house of the Lord. So the, when you called me and said, I was actually expecting the other way around, that Charles, I, I would, I want you to come wash. So wh- when you hung up, I'm like, no, it's rather my feet that's going to get washed, not the other way around. And that has set me thinking. And I think this is going to live with me for a very long time. And, and it's going to redefine how I see myself as a Christian. That I'm here to serve, not to lead. To serve my fellow humans. To, to reach out, to spread the good work of the Lord. This is a very, I don't know which words to use, but means a lot to me. And I know anyone here watching um, the picture this sends was sent a very valuable message. I wish maybe I had Facebook Live happening right now for people around the world to see this, that in the house of the Lord we are all one. Thank you. Thanks, guys, very much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Charles. Like one of one of the thing that's things that's interesting about that event is, like, I don't know how well Wayne and Charles knew each other before. I, you know, I didn't ask that question of you. I, you know, I don't think you know each other all that well. You didn't grow up together, <laughs> or something, right? And yet now they have, they've shared this experience. And again, while it is one sense manufactured and it's dramatic, there's another sense in which Wayne actually washed Charles' feet. And they're not going to be the same after that. Like, like they'll never look at each other exactly the same. Something has happened between, between the two of them. You know, Charles is going to come in next Sunday and Wayne's going to greet him. And it's just going to be a little bit different than it was before. And that's because when you serve people, there's something that goes on. There is relationship that happens between two people when service takes place. And maybe Jesus wants that as much as anything to take place. The notion of people serving one another and relationship happening between them when they do. I found Charles' comments especially fascinating just in terms of what he experienced. I'm going to make some comments about that in just a moment. But there are some other things here about the experience of of having feet washed and Jesus himself doing what he does that I think we can learn some things from today. Let me just go through uh, what some of these are. Um, I've already mentioned this. When one truly becomes a servant, another relationship happens. And I I just think that's so true uh, when when people go through any kind of servant-like experience. But here are some things that I think Jesus wants us to understand from the act that he does today. One, service must flow directly from Love. And maybe that's the most artificial thing that we did here today is that we were trying to create love between these two when maybe they didn't know each other. And yet we stand in Jesus loving one another. And that's why the two of them are willing to do this in front of you. Is because ultimately they, you know, they love the person that asked them. They love this body. They love each other. They love the Lord. And they decide that they're going to submit to that. Service must flow directly from love. In fact, the full extent of our love is shown specifically in service. Jesus says. He now showed them the full extent of his love by serving them. You cannot say you love someone else and then not be their servant. Boy, that, that's poignant. 
Like we can't talk about loving one another and then not serve one another out of that love. At least not not according to the example that Jesus leaves us in loving his disciples the way that he did and washing their feet. A second thing. Not only did he not get something from his act of service, he washed the feet of the one who betrayed him. Is there any love greater than the love that extends from the one betrayed to the one who betrayed him? And that's exactly what happens. The text specifically says in verse 2 that Judas was there. Judas is among those who get his feet washed. And Jesus makes specific mention of this fact that there is one there who's with him who will betray him. And that he washes the feet of Judas. It makes you wonder about the ways in which we hold on to our bitterness sometimes against those who might have wronged us in some way. The difficulty we have in forgiving someone who has wronged us and the easy way in which we can hold a grudge where the Son of God who is the son of God, is betrayed by a human being and a thief at that and washes his feet. It just seems like perhaps ridding ourselves of bitterness and truly forgiving becomes a form of serving one another that we need to take on. It's so easy to do a turn of phrase here on what Jesus said. It's so easy to be bitter against those who wronged us and to serve those who treat us well. But he wants us to treat well those who also have wronged us. At least sometimes... Living a servant-oriented life includes the need for servants to be willing also to be served. And that's basically exactly what Charles said. That there was some thoughts on his part. He thought he was going to be, and I didn't even know this, okay? But when I started talking to him, apparently, you thought I was talking about at first that I'd have you serve. And he's willing to do that. Jesus did that. We're called to serve another. It would be so easy to say, yeah, I'll wash somebody's feet. I want to, you know, I'll do that. But then all of a sudden it gets turned around and you're supposed to be the one to have your feet washed. And there is an element of pride that goes with not wanting to be served. Who wants to say, oh, they served me. I needed their service. I was in a position in my life where I needed to have somebody else bless me and serve me. We don't want to say that. We don't want to act like we have needs. We don't want to act like we need to have someone else serve us. We want to be the one who serves. That puts us, in fact, in a position of almost power. And Charles wasn't in that position. Instead, he had to receive what another was going to give to him. And that meant swallowing his pride you know we always have the potential when we're trying to be a servant of saying well I have no needs I should serve others because I'm a have I'm not a have not 
And we, in our minds, we may think that those who are served are the have-nots. So I can't allow myself to be served or I'll look weak. And all the while, Jesus just wants us to be a servant. Maybe meaning in some cases that we're those who will receive service. Take some swallowing of pride to let that happen in our lives. But I think Jesus wants that from us as well. Leaders especially are called to serve. Jesus says exactly that in verse 14. The leaders are called to serve. In fact, he specifically says, I, your Lord and Master, have done this for you. And indeed, that's what I am, he says. But now I want you to go and do likewise. And he calls his leaders to simply be servants. Notice that they are supposed to wash one another's feet as well. It's not just that they always serve the sheep. The shepherds don't. But sometimes the shepherds need to even serve one another. And I think it might be hard for a bunch of shepherds sitting around saying, well, we're going to wash each other's feet. No, you're not going to wash my feet, someone might say. But indeed, they need to. Being a servant must not include thinking you're greater because you chose to become a servant. And sometimes we can think that. In fact, that's probably why we're so hesitant to be served. If I can just get in there and serve, I'm in fact going to look good. I had one of the students, I taught the grades five and six this morning. Mark Lewis is sick and somebody called and said to Robin, who can we get to teach this? And I just said, oh, I could do that. So I taught the grades five and six this morning. And we were talking at one point along these similar lines. And I was saying, well, okay, so what about this whole service thing? What happens when we get to do that? And one of the students said, that'll improve my reputation. And that's exactly right, we might think. And Jesus, of course, wants something else to be going on within us other than that. We have a a lady who attends our church who always insists on calling me pastor. Absolutely, insists. And I've, I've said to her, look, you don't need to call me pastor. Just call me Kelly. Oh no, I could never do that. I could never call you Kelly. I, you know, that on a first name basis. And I can, you know, I could, I have, in fact, explained to her well the difference between an elder and a pastor and the biblical word for pastor is shepherd and the shepherds are the elders and I'm not an elder, I'm the minister or a minister. You know, I, I've explained all those kind of things. She can't do it. She still just insists on calling me pastor no matter what. That's her past. And she would feel, I think, somehow like she's sinning if she was to be that familiar with me. And of course, I am exactly the opposite. I'm thinking, no, no, no. Just please call me Kelly. If you call me something else, then I start to feel sinful. Then I start to feel like I'm trying to take on some kind of role or position or whatever that I'm not interested in. I just want to serve Jesus. And she, she, she can't do it. So now I'm totally stuck in a dilemma because I want to be her servant. And she wants me to let her call me pastor. So what do I do? So I've decided, 
I, I think I'm going to tell her this. She, she wasn't here this morning. If she was, I would say this to her face. I, I think I'm going to say to her, look, if you want to keep calling me that and I can't stop you, well, I can't stop you. But I want you to know that every time you call me that, I'm going to hear the word servant. Okay? You're going to say pastor and I'm going to hear servant. And so who am I? I'm just servant Jesus. Or servant Jesus. I'm just servant Kelly. The ultimate Freudian slip. Um, I'm just servant Kelly. And I don't want to be anything else. And I hope that she can see that. I hope that she can get that. Because I really think that Jesus wants from us an attitude absolutely of servant. Well, are we like that? Does Jesus want us to put aside this whole notion of being greater because we're called servants? I hope we can put that aside. And then the blessing comes in actually doing, not just thinking it's right to do so. Jesus basically says that in verse 17. Now do it. And that's what we need to do. So it's one thing for us to call ourselves servants. It's another thing to actually do it. It's one thing to say, well, Jesus was a servant, and I want to follow Jesus, and so I'm going to follow Christ as well in service. It's one thing for us to say all those things. It's another thing for us to actually do them. So I just want to say to you this at the end. Be a servant like Jesus was a servant. Don't be a servant that says, well, I hope I can get some reputation out of this. Don't be a servant that says, well, if I choose to be a servant, maybe they'll make me a leader. If I choose to be a servant, there's some kind of blessing that's going to come to me in the process. Or even, no, you're not going to serve me. I want to be the servant. Instead, just be the kind of servant that Jesus was a servant. And then discipleship ends up being ours. Because our service is a choice to follow Jesus, even in his type of service. And that we need to do. Let's pray. Lord, we want you, please, to bless us with hearts that long simply to serve you and others. God, there are so many things in this world that, uh, that attempt to grab our attention and our focus, to distract us. There's lots of people who tell us that we should be focusing on ourselves. There are a million ways in which we can do that. There are so many attempts that we can make, God, even in trying to be servants, which actually just kind of bring attention to ourselves as if we're trying to be greater or leader or something other than just servant. And Lord, take all that away from us. Instead, help, help us to just give ourselves to you absolutely in service. And help us to give ourselves to others 
in absolute service. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.